Hi, I'm Beck Rayner, and this is the Military Wife Life podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports, and embraces the spouses behind the military members by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Want to join a bank that just gets Defence Life? Defence Bank is one of Australia's largest customer-owned banks. They have 33 on-base branches across Australia, an award-winning banking app that allows you to do all your banking wherever, whenever, and Defence Bank offers competitive products and services tailored for ADF members and defence spouses. Visit defencebank.com.au today and see how easy your banking can be. Well, welcome, Nicole, to the Military Wife Life podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. You and your husband have been together for how many years and how did you meet? We have been together now for 14 years, going on to 15, and just a really beautiful love story. We, um, <laughs> we met at a nightclub called Mooseheads. Um, we got introduced by a mutual friend. For anyone that has been connected to ADFA or that sort yeah. of defence scene in Canberra would know what Mooseheads is, but if anyone else that is a used to be a nightclub that all the defence recruits or people that went to the Australian Defence Force Academy in Canberra would go to and that's yeah. where everyone congregated and met and a lot of love stories started. Oh, beautiful love stories, yeah. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. <laughs> so when you met, obviously he was going to was- ADFA. Were you opposed to going forward with someone who was in the Defence Force when you're in Canberra and you kind of are in the circles with the recruits and things like that, you either kind of want to steer clear of them or you don't mind the military lifestyle. Like what were your thoughts going into meeting your husband then? It was kind of romanticised because we didn't really have anybody in immediate family who was in the Defence Force. So my idea of Defence was handsome men in uniform, balls, that kind of thing. But I realized very quickly after meeting him that it was less fun and just more a deeply ingrained lifestyle almost where they didn't just sign up for a job, they kind of signed up for life. Yeah. And I didn't anticipate that when we first met. I was only very, very young. I was 19 when we met. So I really didn't have any kind of life experience <laughs> to anticipate what it was going to be like. Did you straight away get that community feel from I guess the group that your husband would have been hanging around with when they go to ADFA, obviously there's Army, Navy, Air Force, but they all sort of, they're all going to be working for the Defence Force. Did you get that community feel and was that um, a plus of that lifestyle that they signed up for? I did, yeah. As soon as we met, he kind of introduced me to the group of people he was living with at the time in the dormitories where they kind of lived. They they opened their arms to me. They were all really excited to meet me. They were all really excited to have me around, which was good because I spent a lot of time there. And I was probably one of the only ones who who was there who wasn't defence. There were a lot of people there who were friends of friends and things like that, but I was probably the only partner who was there for a significant amount of time. When you got together, Ryan was in his third year at ADFA. Obviously, once they finish at ADFA, they move on to their first postings and they go to different locations around the country. Had you, once you'd been together for a little bit, had you discussed what would happen when he moves on from ADFA? What were you both thinking would happen to you guys as a couple from there? I don't think we ever had an actual conversation. It was just sort of assumed that I would go to. I was very keen to stay with him. He wanted me with him. 
he still had another year at Adva to finish his degree. And so by the time we had our first posting, we'd been together for about a year and a half and we'd actually gotten engaged while he was at Adva. But at the time, Defence didn't actually recognise us as a couple. So we weren't eligible for any DHA houses or anything like that. So when we moved to Newcastle together for our first posting, we had to find our own housing and things like that. So we never really sat down and had a conversation where as to what we were going to do. It was just, let's just do it together. I was 20. I'd moved out of my family home um, to be with him in Newcastle, which at the time was, um, I was living in Canberra with my family and going to Newcastle, which was five hours away, was a big leap for me. It was a huge transition. And at the start, it was really, really hard. When you went into obviously picking up everything and, and moving from Canberra to Newcastle, how were you thinking it would go that you would move up there, get a job? What were your sort of expectations of what defence life would be initially? I think looking back, I was actually quite naive going into it because I didn't think that far ahead. I was working in childcare at the time and you know, there's always a childcare centre somewhere and I assumed that I would get a job immediately. I would start working straight away. It would be great. But when we moved there, it was at the start of the 2008 recession and everything was shutting down. There was no work anywhere. Um, we also couldn't find a house. So it was two people in their late teens, early 20s, trying to find their first rental. Nobody would even bother looking at us. We really, really struggled. I think it was about two weeks before he was supposed to start work. We actually didn't have a house. And so that was when we decided to talk about, you know, he'll go without me if we can't find one. But we were very lucky to be given an opportunity to have a rental through an extended family member. And we moved in. I think we had a bed. <laughs> We had a TV on, it looked like um, milk pallets. Like it was a real, we were really starting from scratch. We were really lucky to actually have our engagement party just before we left. And we bought our washing machine with vouchers we were given from our engagement party. So we were really starting from the bottom. For him, he automatically had a job to go to. He had a built-in support network. He had friends who'd moved there. Whereas I remember the first day he started work and I waved him goodbye. And then I went back and sat inside and just realized the gravity of what was happening. I'd moved out of my family home. I moved in with my partner. I struggled for a good six months to find work. The economy was tanking. We had no cash. Like it was just, it was, it was really difficult. Back then, because I wasn't recognized as a spouse, I didn't have access to a lot of the things that they would have been able to offer me. Um, and also at the time, there really wasn't a lot of things that DCO or DFA could offer a spouse, um, especially a dependent with no children. Um, and so I ended up calling Centrelink without knowing what I was calling them for. And they said, uh, at the, looking back as well, the information they gave me at the time was incorrect. I just basically said, I've just moved here with my partner, his defence. I don't know where to start to look for work. And they said, well, because he's defence, we can't help you. So I was kind of floating around, not knowing what to do. We're in a new area. I had no idea what anything was. We didn't know anybody. The only people I knew there were actually um, my mum's cousin and their wife. And they were a massive help. They opened their house. They opened their arms. And knowing that there was just that little lifeline of support was enough 
to just give me a bit of confidence because it was completely confidence shattering. We moved to a new area. I had no prospects for work. We didn't have a lot of extra cash. The economy was tanking. There was no work for anybody. I couldn't even get a job stacking shelves. Facebook um, groups weren't thing no, then. Like you no, couldn't exactly. just Google stuff. Like it was no. just. We didn't actually even have internet at our house. I had to go to the library and use their internet. And yeah, there was no Facebook groups. So I couldn't actually connect with anybody in UMB. The base, we lived quite a long way away from the base. So I couldn't actually just turn up at the base and access DCO because I was also not recognized by defense as a partner. So I really didn't have access to anything if there was anything available to me. So, And was it that you weren't recognized by defense because back then you had to have lived together for a certain amount of time before you could apply to be de facto or a dependent or that sort of process? Yeah, that's right. Well, you also had to have a bank account together. You also had to have a certain amount of bills in your, in your names together. So we had all that and we, we were engaged and we could verify with acquaintances and friends that we had been together and we just kind of waited and hope for the best. So obviously when you were sitting at home with no friends yeah. waiting for him to get home every day because yeah. you know he's your lifeline and you've just uprooted moved to this new place you know no one you don't even know how to get around you're looking for a job and that's not looking great at any point did you think this is not going to work yeah definitely I do remember actually at the time I wasn't very good at communicating um I just tended to bottle things up and leave them inside until they exploded which is very healthy way of living it just kind of came out one day that maybe I should go back to Canberra until I can find something and that was when he and I had to have a talk about how this is one of the realities of life with someone who's in defense you will get to a place where you won't know anybody you do have to start over but you don't have that support network when you get there and you do have to create it from scratch nearly every time and that just wasn't something I was I had anticipated I didn't know um I just assumed it would be a built-in support area everywhere we went and it wasn't so once you had been together for a bit and you ended up getting recognized by that point, because you had that initial reaction by DCO and then Centrelink and all the places that you had reached out for any sort of support, were you hesitant to go forward and reach out again once you were recognised and you could actually officially access those things? Yeah, I was. I, was, I felt kind of, I don't know if burned is the right word, but I just felt like there was no space for me there. We didn't have any children at the time and any kind of services were geared towards families and people with children. Um, and even now, there is still so many things. We're so lucky to have so many services geared towards families and children and support for spouses, but there is a big area that is lacking for people without children. And at the time, it just felt like it was, I was too hard to deal with, so there wasn't any space there. So I just really didn't have anything to do with any services that were offered because it fell into the too high basket. And sometimes it can just feel a little bit hopeless, like there's really nowhere to turn. I'm stuck. And if I want to be with this person, then this is going to be the reality. And will this love be enough to get us through? Because it's really hard. Exactly. And relying on one other person for all of that is it's so unhealthy for everybody involved because you deserve to have more than just that. You deserve to have your own support network. You deserve to have your own thing. You deserve to have your own interests. You deserve to have something that's not reliant on one other person. And well, I didn't feel like I had that until probably about 18 months into our first posting. And that was when I started to become not just independent, but having my own support group, my own little things away from him and from defense. I actually met my best friend who is one of the biggest loves of my life at a job in Newcastle. And we're still in in each other's lives today and that was I think that was kind of like the kicking off point where I realized oh, okay well you know I don't need him for everything 
that I have, I can do this. I can go to my own job. I can go to my own friends. I can go to my own things. And we can still grow back at the end of the day and be together. And you know, I'm not reliant on him or defense for everything at the moment. And just having that one person that gets it can make all the difference. Yes. And I didn't really have a lot of spousal friends. I didn't actually know anybody at that time whose partner were in defense. I think I met one person in the, our entire four years in Newcastle who was with someone who was in defense, but then she posted out really quickly. And so it was kind of, well, you know, back to square one again. And, you know, I think it just took a long time to get confidence and a long time to find my feet and a long time to work out what my role was. You can definitely, especially when everything is taken and stripped back, and you move to this new location, you don't have a job, you don't have friends, you don't have family nearby, you've just got this one person that you're depending on for everything and you don't really want to depend on them for everything, yeah. but they're the only option. And so when everything's stripped back like that, you have all the things that you would usually value your self-worth on and, and all that you see yourself as and all of that sort of stuff is taken away and what's left is just time to think about it and time to reassess. And that was another thing that really kicked off a lot of mental health struggles because that was all I had was time. I had so much time to sit there in my own sadness and my own anxiety and him being the only person that would come home and I would kind of pounce on him as soon as he got through the door because I finally get to talk to somebody, get to talk to someone I know. I get to talk to someone who I love and he was exhausted. He was starting a new job. He was fresh out of uni and, you know, he wanted to come home and just take a few minutes to breathe. Whereas I'm standing at the door waiting for someone. And that was a lot to put on him as well. It was a lot to put on that one person to be everything that I needed. You can definitely see it's a lot looking back because I yeah. was in a similar situation, but during the time you're like without resentment growing and mm. all of that, they are the person that's supposed to be solving everything for you because they're kind of the person that's made the they problem. Put me here. Yeah. So you're kind of like, you need to help me with this because I'm in this position because of you. But obviously at the time, you're not thinking that way. Well, I mean, at the time you're thinking that way, but when you look back, you're like, wow, we survived that. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Looking back, I'm like, whoa, that was a really intense time, a really, really intense time. And I'm glad we did it, but also I kind of look towards it. Like defense can feel like this massive, massive faceless entity with no particular person to blame or talk to. And it did feel like I went into that situation kind of blind because we really didn't feel like defense well defense didn't even acknowledge me basically until we were registered as a, as a couple and I understand why they have to do that and I I understand why there's processes in place but they really needed to have been more even just someone saying hey this person's just supposed to hear from Adford they have a spouse and they don't know anybody here maybe someone should just drop her a line and just say hey are you okay because I wasn't I was really not okay yeah because back then they didn't even have really like I mean the welfare calls and the uh, open arms like you know yeah. readily available like you know you can contact open arms you can do this sort of thing mm -hmm. it was it really wasn't like that back then the support I had when my husband was deployed earlier this year was polar opposite to what it was like when you first started so it was kind of these two little bookends of our first time away with each other compared to our latest difficulty so during my husband's deployment it was everything went wrong it was horrible um we posted from canberra to sydney with our two kids we moved into our house that was completely neglected it was filthy dirty there was whole punching walls that hadn't been fixed three days after we moved in our daughter fell off the monkey bars and broke her arm and at the time because he was deployed we were here with 
nobody. We had nothing. Nine out of 10 defence spouses wish they found out about defence banks sooner. Okay, I might have just made that up and they do sponsor my podcast, but I've checked them out and I think they're worth a look just for their banking app alone. It's award-winning, has cool features like fast same-day payments, card alerts and controls, and pin change functionality, savings roundups, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Fitbit Pay, Garmin Pay, the list goes on. Oh, and if you really want to go to a branch, you can. There are 33 on-base branches across Australia. Banking as a defence spouse doesn't have to be hard. For more info, visit defencebank.com.au. I have um, an uncle and aunt who live about 45 minutes away and they are, that was a huge help. My uncle made it. I called him as soon as I saw her arm and realised how bad it was and my aunt picked up the phone and heard her screaming and said, he's coming. Um, and in that time, I called an ambulance to come and get us and she went to the hospital um, and our local hospital couldn't take care of her because of how bad the break was. And so I had my uncle home with my two-year-old, filthy house that was still being unpacked. My dad and my sister who were there helping me had left the night before. So I was truly on my own for the very first time. My husband was deployed. My daughter was in hospital. My son was at home with someone who didn't really know, even though I knew him and I knew how wonderful he was. The support that came out from defence during that last six months was unbelievable I had a social worker calling me every fortnight um, I had his workmates checking in on me for coffee I had DCO down around the corner I had so much support and so many things that I could access and I was so grateful for everything that there was available to us but I couldn't imagine doing it without something for me to access I couldn't imagine going through all that trauma and all of that horrible circumstances without having someone to lean on you're actually saying this in a previous podcast about how you know your first thing might be okay your second one might be okay but by that third time you might need help and it's okay to need that help and I was really reluctant to try and get help this time because I'm like I should know I, I can do this I know I can do this but I needed the help I mean no matter what what would have been the difference is so if, say for instance if your husband was just away for a one-month course and all of that happened in the first weekend that he was away just because he's only away for one month doesn't mean that you need the help any less if he was away for six months and that happened doesn't make you any less or more entitled to that help because yeah. he's away for a deployment or you know if something hard happens during the time that they're away or on course or even working long hours at work like because you know you can't always rely on them yeah <laughs> um you, you need to access that support it doesn't some people have in their head that oh well you know there's other people that are doing it harder so i i shouldn't access that support but it's like yeah but if you're doing it hard and it just happens to be that he's only away for a week but he still can't come back because of his commitment to defense because it's not like the less time they're away or whatever they're doing means that defense go okay you can just go and tend to that like it's still the same commitment no matter what they're away doing or or working on at work or have been called into or doing night shift or whatever they're doing like you still need that support yeah and everyone's worthy of help there's no tears to whether you're deserving of help you could just be having a really rough day and you still deserve that help you could be having you know you could have had a horrific car accident or someone may have died and you still deserve that help it doesn't matter what level you feel your stresses are you still deserve the help and people want to help people want to give help they want to give themselves to you and make sure that you're doing okay and it can be really hard to remember that people do want to help yeah um it's actually really frustrating when you do offer to help and people don't take it yeah you're like I, can, I really I do want to help it's okay yeah. like i can it, see I, that you're having a hard time and i can i've got i can help can you tell us whereabouts you're posted at the moment and what your 
partner does in defence? Does it take him away a lot? What does his job entail? Is he posted around every couple of years? Like how, what, how does it work with his job? Generally, we have posted out on average about every two years. Every so often will be a one-year posting, a three-year, four-year, but on average it's been about every two years. He is a software engineer and he has worked in a variety of jobs, actually. He hasn't actually just stuck to software engineering. At one stage, he went back to ADFA and was a DO, a divisional officer for a squadron there. He took care of 30-odd cadets with um, a sergeant. Um, He then went to work at... DP, which is Director of Personnel, is posting different engineers around. And at the moment now, we are living in Richmond on base, actually. And he is working at the headquarters here. But due to COVID, he's not being sent around anywhere. He's staying close to home. He's actually working from home a lot, which is a bit of a spin out for our kids. Because at one stage, in an 11-month period, he was gone for six months. And now he's home. He's home all the time. And our daughter gets home from school and she's like, Dad's here hi dad what, uh, how long have you been here and you know been here working from home all day and so that's another new thing to get used to we've spent so much time with him working away going away on course and a deployment pre-deployment training that now he's home it's a whole other thing to get used to and so what is it like living on base tell us all about it is it like the movies like what is it like are you <laughs> are you have you got to go through security every time you come in and come up like how how does it work with living on base uh, you do, actually. We do. This is a secure base, so we do have to scan an ID in every time we come in and on. It's less like the movies. There are quite a lot of aeroplanes taking off. We get a lot of um, helicopters from the Holsworthy base come flying over. We have Hercules. We have, on occasion, we have Hornets flying down from Newcastle. It just, but now we've been living here for a few months, it has become a bit of background noise. Like, it's not. When we first got here, it was very exciting for a, um, a massive jet to take off. And now it's just kind of like, oh, why are the windows rattling? Oh, yeah, that's right. They're doing their training. So how do you come about living on a base? Is it that you have to, for his job, you have to live on the base? Like, how, how did that come about? Why did you end up living on the base? Before you post out, you get access to Home Find, which is on the DHA website. You, If anybody has had to use home find those it can be a nightmare because homes get released periodically you don't know when you don't know what time most of the time it seems to be in the middle of the night so sometimes you'll say before you post out to a new location you'll set your alarm and say two o'clock in the morning log into home find see if there's any new houses available for the time period that you need and what you're entitled to get <laughs> so, home find thinks they're going to pull the wool over our spouses yeah, no way we've got no. <laughs> alarm set at 2am to find those houses <laughs> yep. first Yep, I've got alarms set on there. I've, we check it at random times um, and you just kind of hope that there is a house that's suitable, is going to be released and available for the time you need. And this just happened to come up as at the time frame we needed, the size we were entitled to, and that was it, basically. And I just, I said to my husband, the house on base. And he said, oh, I'm not living on base. I said, well, too bad because I've already locked it in. Uh, <laughs> and it's actually turned out to be a huge gift because, Living on base, it's like the 70s. It's incredibly safe. There's just kids everywhere. And they all go to the same school. Our daughter walks to the front gate where the security office is. She gets on the school bus. She goes to school, comes home, walks home. And so there's a lot of independence here that they wouldn't necessarily have in the suburb. And I think it's also a nice experience for to have. Like It's one of the things that I was kind of hoping we had like a little defence bucket list. Um, and I feel like we've kind of ticked off living on base as one of them now 
Like we've had crash posting, tick that off. We've had a deployment canceled, tick that off. Had another deployment, tick that off. We've had uh, living in particular cities that we wanted to live in. And so it was nice to be able to experience living on base. But it's kind of a luck of the draw. You can't, uh, I don't necessarily think you can actually ask to live on base. It just depends on what comes up. If you're, if, if a house comes up on home and it's on base, just lock it in. And did you and your husband talk about a general posting plan when you had been, I guess, gone into your first posting? Did you discuss like, okay, we'd love to go here, here and here? Or was it a matter of whatever presents itself will just go with the flow? Uh, at the time, I had particular ideas about what I wanted out of defence. But of course, it doesn't matter, really matter what I want. Um, he was more a go with the flow type of person. If a job comes up, it's a really good job. Doesn't really matter where it is, but go and do it. And I've kind of gone back to, over that way of thinking, where you know, if a great job comes up, it doesn't really matter where it is. Let's just go. We'll go. It'll be an adventure. Let's look at it as we get to do this rather than we have to do this. And no posting is forever. So if you end up in a location that you really don't like, you're not going to be there forever. And so you can kind of look at that. Well, you know, I might hate it here, but at least I'm not stuck here. So and how did yeah. you get to that stage? Because going into spouse life and being a defense couple you don't always go into it having that attitude sometimes you you continue to push back and push back until you're just like oh well you know that's not really working for me so how did you get to the stage where you're just like let's treat it as an adventure we'll see the pluses instead of the the negatives for my own mental health I had to I've always struggled with anxiety and when we first got to Newcastle that was when it really came to a peak and I realized that the anxiety I was feeling was causing a lot of negativity and it was causing me to look at things in a really negative way and so I sought help through my GP who referred me to a psychologist and I've been seeing psychologists on and off since then which was about 10 years ago and that has been the best help I the best decision I've ever made for my health was to see a doctor and to see a psychologist for my mental health and every couple of months every couple of years I might go back and talk to a social worker or a counselor or a psychologist and just kind of get a tune up to adjust that way of thinking because looking at my life as something as completely out of my control I had no control of where we lived I had no control over what jobs I could apply for I had no control over when my husband was going to be home I just I couldn't sustain that way of living it was so toxic and just awful for not only for myself but for people around me so getting that professional help changed my mindset from having to to get to so trying to adapt my way of thinking from negative to positive it's still an ongoing thing it's so easy to get negative especially in the face of defense it does seem like such a massive entity and there's no one particular person that you can blame for things that go wrong or things that don't work out the way you want them to and I think it helps as well to you know it's not always going to be positive but try and look at it as a positive any advice that you can give to maybe those that are just starting out on this spouse journey or those that are about to go through their first deployment what have you learned along the way of being a a defense spouse I don't know it makes me feel uncomfortable to speak broadly so things that worked specifically for us were accepting help accepting help is a big thing and knowing that people do want to help people want to open their arms and their houses to you and being the one to take that first step can be really hard being that one to sign up for a coffee day or a art class or something can be so difficult and it's okay to be nervous and it's okay to be scared but just give it a try what if it pays off the reward is huge exactly what yeah don't try not to look at it as 
oh god i feel like i'm you know i'm starting from scratch all these they're, they're already so they're already friends so, and there's no room for me but there is room for you there's always room for you you just kind of get that courage up and put your hand up put your name in just show up for something and you yeah. might you might not enjoy what's happening you might not be good at craft you might not enjoy coffee but just show up and then if you are the person in that location that you know the new person is showing up to or walking into that room and you're in it be the person that you needed back then like you know come at it from their perspective as in you know what would you have wanted if you were the one walking into that room 100 percent. and if this podcast had been around when i was first started i think i would have had confidence to know that i I think i was looking at it as oh well it's me i'm the only person going through this but you're definitely not you will never ever be the only person experiencing this so if it's not that exact thing you're experiencing someone can empathize and all you've got to do is show up well thank you so much for coming on the military wife life podcast nicole and sharing all of your wisdom and your experience of being a spouse and the ups and downs of kids breaking bones and <laughs> what has to happen when that happens in the first first week <laughs> in a new location with a deployed husband because you know we'll all at some point have a situation similar to that where we can look back on and go if it's not as bad as that then we're <laughs> gonna be okay <laughs> thanks, <for having> me. <laughs> thanks so much I so hope you are able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 